We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey Pacer fans, Alex Golden here. I wanted to let you know about my new blog, The Blue and Golden. If you enjoy reading articles about the Pacers, then subscribe to my Substack, which is 100% free. You can find the blog at theblueandgolden.substack.com or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast. If you enjoy what you're reading on The Blue and Golden, please share the blog with your family and friends. Thanks for your support of not only this podcast, but my written work that can only be found on theblueandgolden.substack.com. Now, let's get back to the show. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Fauci. Alex and Fauci, Alex and Alex. If I put Ajax in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, in the Indiana Pacers. Take down the Atlanta Hawks 116-112 in preseason game number three. And joining me to talk about this game, you guys know him as the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Oh, Alex, there was something different about preseason game number three. Tyrese Halliburton 
was back and you could feel it instantly. We finally got to see the ideal projected starting five for the Indiana Pacers, and they did not disappoint. No, they did not. I think Tyrese Halliburton, you could just feel the energy with him back on the floor. The team played a much faster pace offensively. No knock on TJ McConnell because I think McConnell's a very serviceable point guard, but mm-hmm. he's not the all-star that Tyrese is, and then they just play a totally different style of game. But it was just fun to see him out there. I thought the starters got off to a bit of a slow start, got in some foul yeah. trouble, had five early fouls uh, for team fouls to start off the game. But once they kind of got through that, found a rhythm, I, I thought that this team kind of showed some some promise. But I tell you what, Miles Turner fouling out in the third quarter <laughs> was not on my bingo card for tonight. No, it was not. I mean, fouling out in about 15 and a half minutes, that was very surprising. I imagine if it was a regular season game, they probably would have pulled them a bit earlier. But I thought they were in a really good flow in that second quarter, and they kept Turner out there. But, uh, you know, to start the game, I just thought right when we had Halliburton out there, he was getting Turner an easy look when he passed it across court, Turner for a three. He got Obi Toppin, good looks. You started to see... That okay, you know what? Just as we expected, the starting five is looking much better. They're getting some good looks from three, and uh, I, I think it just made all the difference. I know you talked about Turner fouling out, but I mean, Alex, do we want to jump to just how good that lineup looked in the second quarter with Buddy, or was there anything you wanted to touch on first? Yeah, I, I want to stay with the first unit just for a second because I thought that one of the most interesting things, and you talk about that cross court pass that that Halliburton had to Turner. That was all because of Obi Toppin, um, to a certain degree. I shouldn't say it's all because of Obi, but Obi had a big impact on that play because Tyrese was, you know, kind of attacking the defense, and Obi could have had a lob opportunity there, and so Tyrese was kind of making that eye connection with Obi Toppin, which allowed Miles Turner's defender to to step off and try to prevent Obi from getting a, a lob pass there. Halliburton saw Miles' defender leave him, and that's when he made that cross court pass. So. I think that one of the things that Miles talked about today in the press conference after the game was over was just developing that chemistry with Obi Toppin. And I think that's one thing to keep an eye on because Miles is not used to playing with a four like this, someone that's a lob threat, a roller. He's used to playing with another big and Sabonis, right? Or mm-hmm. Aaron Neesmith last year or Jalen Smith. Like it's always been a little bit different. But he said the big thing is now just getting to know how those two, like how Obi wants to, to play. And Miles said that the benefit of playing the four with Sabonis at times is he knows when to pop and when to roll. He said, as a five, your natural instinct is to roll. But when you know you have a roller like Toppin, you kind of have to pick and choose. But the good thing is, like Coach Carlisle said in the press conference, they both can shoot the ball well from three. So I really do like the dynamic of those two. And if they can really figure things out, it's going to be fun to see. Yeah, it really will be fun to see. I mean, Obi Toppin in specific, we've seen him hit at least one three-pointer in every preseason game so far. So I feel like that three-point shot is definitely going to be there. Is he going to be a 40% three-point shooter? Look, I I don't know about any of that, but he's going to be a more than capable three-point shooter. Obviously, it's something he's been working on. And we saw saw some defense at Obi at times. He had a a blocked three-pointer that led to an easy basket in transition for the Pacers. That was awesome. He had... Two steals, so he was a plus nineteen overall in the game. Yeah, and then when you best, mentioned best him, of the game, yes, exactly, best of the game, a plus nineteen in eighteen minutes. But also, you mentioned about him being a lob threat, Alex. It might have looked small in the moment. I guess you being there, it was not small at all. But Benedict Matherin on a fast break when it a year ago Matherin easily could have scored himself. 
Yeah. He threw the lob to Obi Toppin, who flushed it, and that right there just felt like the right play to make for Matherin. Feed Obi Toppin. He's going to be trailing on the season, and he did not disappoint on that alley-oop. I love to see it. Uh, yeah, I will say this. I think that Ben Matherin has really matured as a player from year one to year two. Four assists tonight. Yeah, we're, we're starting to see him kind of just settle down a little bit and let the game come to him. I tweeted about it, but I wanted to bring it up here because I felt like Ben Matherin, at times last year, he kind of goes from, or I'll just say it this way. Last year, he was the focal point of the offense with the second unit. It was like yep. he kind of ran the offense through him. Now, with so many different guys that are capable of putting the ball in the basket, he's not going to have that same freedom to kind of be the go-to guy. Now, there's going to be times where he needs to do that. And Tyrese Halliburton openly said, I've got to do a better job at getting Ben more looks. He said that tonight after the game. In a, in a game where I thought, man, they, they they played really well together as a group. So for, for Tyrese to even just openly say that, I thought that was a good acknowledgement of that. But I didn't feel like Ben forced a bunch tonight. I feel like he made no. the right play at the right time. And that's one of the things we're seeing with his maturation as a player. Still a very young player trying to figure out who he is and where he fits with this team. And he knows that he's a he's got the potential to be really good. But at the same time, you have to pick and choose when you got to take those spots. And knowing that there's a lot of mouths to feed, it's easier to let Tyrese kind of distribute to those guys. And then you just take it when it comes to you. So I felt like that there was some major growth from him in the terms in, in terms of shot selection. But I do agree that pass that he had to Obi Toppin, like that was actually a pretty good pass too. Like he hit, hit him right on the money for the highlight role. So I, I think you're slowly starting to see just, Ben Matherin evolve as a player, specifically on the offensive end. Now, defensively, I will say this, it, it's getting better. It, it is. But offensively is where I've seen the bigger steps. Oh, definitely. I mean, Matherin, you talked about his shot selection. He made all four of his shots inside the arc. You want to see a little bit more from three-point land, 0 for 2 there. But not not much to nitpick. The four assists, I love to see, and specifically the one that we highlighted to Obi Top, and it was a perfect lob. It was the smart play to make. And then also, once we saw the starters come out in the beginning, we saw Halliburton stay in. He did have his minutes overlap with Buddy Heald, which was great to see. We felt that, you know, this this group, those two in specific, have a lot of chemistry together. It was great to see them continue to play together. And I would say that kind of leads into a little bit of, Alex, we saw Ben Shepard come in early. And I feel yeah. like earlier and earlier, as each preseason game has gone on, it's, it's obvious that the coaching staff, Really likes what they see, and so do the fans. Ben Shepard came in there. He started catching fire. TJ McConnell just kept looking for him in that, you know, that right corner, and he was making the defense pay for it. It was awesome to see, you know, Ben Shepard catch fire from three-point land. I know he finished three of eight, but it was this short stint in the second quarter where it just felt like he was in rhythm. Yeah, I think that Ben Shepard has really made a case for why he should be in the rotation. Mm -hmm. it's he's been one of the bigger surprises of preseason now really has you look at McConnell he's been playing the backup point guard this game played the starting point guard the first two games so we know McConnell is who he is same with Buddy Heald Aaron Neesmith it's interesting because with them going a little bit smaller playing Shepard and Heald together that does slide Neesmith down to the four a little bit and we've heard them talk about him playing more three I think with the assumption that Jairus Walker would be that four at the backup unit so so now with Jarris kind of out of that first five with the second unit, it feels like Neesmith might play a little bit more four, but you're right. Shepard, he he just shoots the ball with such confidence. And he's still, and I think Miles brought this up as well. He said, Jarris, the game is just really fast for him right now. He said, Shep, it, it's fast for him too, 
but it's not as fast. And like, he's able to adjust a little bit better. And Carlisle talked about him having four years of college experience it helps. and how that has yes. helped a lot with not being overwhelmed by that. So I think just kind of understanding that part of it makes a big deal for, for fans. Cause yeah, you're like, why isn't the 19 year old eighth overall pick in the rotation? This is ridiculous. no, I'll tell you what, Jairus Walker had the or had the worst plus minus tonight of the yeah. game, minus 24. He he struggled tonight, and it's going to come with time. I think that you're going to see some highs and lows from him, but I think Turner said it best. The game's just really fast for him. But once the game slows down, I have no doubt that Jairus is going to figure things out. I, th- I still think he's a really good draft pick, and he's got a lot of potential moving forward. But Shep just hasn't beat right now in terms of the, the maturity side of things, and Personally, I feel like when you put a rookie with two veterans like Buddy and TJ surrounded with a very good defensive player in Neesmith and then a a big who has really grown on me, Jalen Smith. Oh, me too. Those four, that just allows Shep to not have to worry about having another rookie alongside him. And there's not as much uh, newness to the game, right? These are You're playing with guys that have been in the league for four to five years or some even seven, eight, right? So... I think he just gets a little bit more comfortable knowing like, okay, I'm out here with veterans that, that know the game pretty well. So it doesn't speed him up because they're not sped up. That's true. And and he could just focus on shooting. I mean, he can go to his spots and and just be ready when, when they swing it to him and and Ben Shepard was making the the D pay for that for Jarris Walker. We didn't see him come in until miles Turner fouled out. And yeah, to your point, it, it did he didn't look like a rookie. It's going to take some time. And I think that that was why early on, I felt more confident that Obi Toppin would be the starting four for this team because he's more experienced. He's been around and look at Obi. Obi was the eighth overall pick who found himself on the bench in New York for quite a, you know, quite a few years. Yeah. So that's not going to happen here in Indiana for, for Jarris Walker, but in terms of being a starter or maybe the backup big, yeah, it might not be necessarily Early on, when I say back up big, back up four, but it's going to take some time. But you talked about Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith, in my opinion, I think has been the most impressive pacer throughout the preseason in, in terms of at least a consistency standpoint. He's been awesome. 15 points tonight, 6 of 10 shooting. I think he had 10 points in the second quarter. I mean, he just looks like a player that has taken that step forward. That's 15 points in 16 minutes. That tied for the most points on the Pacers tonight with Tyrese Halliburton. I just love what I've seen from Aaron Neesmith, and he's played to a point where there, there's no scenario where you could say, uh, I don't know, we're going to have to cut back his minutes, or we're going to have to, I don't know where we're going to play him. No, Aaron Neesmith has shown he deserves and belongs to be you know, on the court with the Indiana Pacers in meaningful minutes. I love what I've seen from him in three straight preseason games. I would say the confidence is through the roof. He, it really is. They've 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 uh, established his role, I guess you could say, as as the backup guy, and he can bring that energy off the bench. And while he didn't really deserve to be demoted, I thought he played pretty well last year as a starting power forward. Mm-hmm. They just got a little bit more talent at that position, and that's yeah. not his natural position. So it's cool to see him kind of just thrive in, in a different role. And accept it and fully embrace it. That That's the one thing I've liked about Aaron Neesmith. It's like he just wants to win basketball games. And it's not like, oh, look at me. I'm a flashy guy. No, it's just like I'm going to go out there and, and do what I do. And I think that people are going to be – they're going to continue to be impressed with what he can do because I felt like, yeah, you talked about it. Uh, he came in off the bench, got 15 points. But he's playing the four. He's playing the three. I think that that's a good talking point, but I don't think it really matters that much. 
because at the end of the day, the Pacers are a team that like to play fast and spread the floor. And if he can do that and defend at a high level, it doesn't really matter what position he's playing. I think that we've seen enough of Aaron Smith over the last year plus to know who he is and he's only getting better and he's only adding more to his game. So that's, what's really cool to see is like the on ball addition to what he's doing is great. Hit him. I think he hit a pull-up jumper at one point in tonight's mm-hmm. game. It's like, that is not what we're used to seeing from him, like a pull-up mid-range jumper. Great to see Aaron kind of branch out a little bit in terms of the offensive game, but it's expanded more, for sure. It's expanded, but more importantly, just seeing the confidence and seeing the way that he's embraced that role. I think that I'm going to say that a lot this year, just because I feel like so many times we don't see guys embrace a role, but I think that the same can be said for a Jalen Smith. Those two guys to me have really stepped in and just embraced a role that maybe be a, might be a little bit different than what they expected going into last season, but here they are now playing really well together because they know who they are. Jalen Smith is probably the definition of embracing his role because his role was taken from him last year and he had to be able to roll with the punches and, and, and you know, make the best of whatever role he's given. And I think at this point, Jalen Smith has solidly distanced himself from the other bigs on this roster to be able to take that backup big job. We didn't see Daniel Tice play tonight. He only played in one of the three preseason games. There was a major difference between when Jalen Smith made his first appearance and when Isaiah Jackson made his. Jalen Smith, 20 minutes tonight. He had nine points, seven rebounds, two blocks. The the size that he added, it was evident he had an awesome jump ball situation that he won where he really feel like he, you know, uh, yeah, where you wrestled the ball, you know, from the defender to be able to, you know, draw that that call. And I think at this point, I feel confident in Jalen Smith as the backup big right now because I don't have that same confidence in, you know, Isaiah Jackson. And and for Daniel Tice, I think we all would have loved to have seen a little bit more. I think what Jalen Smith has shown us has not disappointed at any point. I'm really happy for him. The backup big position is Jalen Smith to lose at this point. It is. I think that he has separated himself from the pack. This is what we thought maybe going into the preseason or into the season that Jalen Smith should be the backup to Miles Turner. It makes the most sense to me just because I feel like he can do a lot of different, like a lot of the same things Miles does, but he's a, a better rebounder. I think he's the best rebounder of the group. I still think be. probably is. I, and I, I still think that Daniel Tyus is a very capable big. Yes. But at this point, I just don't know if he really fits the style of play the Pacers want to play. And I think that might be the biggest determining factor in whether or not he cracks a rotation. I, I didn't hear anything tonight about him having any injuries. Neither did I. That's why at first I, I had a look on Twitter. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I was just like, is there something going on with Tice or is he just uh, did not play coach decision tonight? And that's what it turned out to be. Yeah, I think him, Kendall Brown, and Oscar Sheba were the only three that did not play that were healthy. And, of course, mm-hmm. Andrew Nimhart did not play. And that's what's crazy is, like, we got to see a fun, like, first half without even Andrew Nimhart in the fold and what he's going to bring to that second unit. Now, we got to give uh, – at least we got to make it noticed that the Hawks were not with their starting lineup completely. No Trey Young, no Jante Murray. Definitely yeah. worth something. No no Capella. So, yep. you know, it was definitely not the same Atlanta Hawks that we're going to see in the regular season. But, uh, yeah, I felt like it was just a really impressive game from Jalen Smith. And I, I Rick Carlisle talked about him as well. Tony East asked a question about, like, what kind of growth you've seen from Jalen Smith over the, the last year to this year. And he talked about adding the muscle and getting stronger, that kind of thing. But the big thing he said is Jalen Smith is one of our best offensive rebounders. And his ability to extend possessions for us is huge. So 
having a guy out there that can do that is super beneficial. The play that was kind of making its rounds on Twitter by different accounts was the Tyree circus past a buddy who found Jalen Smith wide open for a three. Yep. If he can knock that three down, that's only going to make him even more uh, playable. It's only going to make him harder to take off the floor as the backup big because I don't really see Isaiah Jackson having that same confidence in his shot. And, and Daniel Tice, I think he can shoot it, but like I said, I still don't know what his role is going to be with this team. So Jalen Smith, you got to love it. I, I'm not right a lot of times, Fachi. I'm wrong more than I am right, it feels like, recently with how I how I see things playing out. But I feel like I've been pretty adamant that Jalen Smith should be the backup big for at least the last couple of months. He very well should because I feel like last year what happened to him losing his his spot as a starting four and then losing a spot overall in the rotation. It, it was tough because that's someone who played so well for us, you know, just the previous season. But through three preseason games, he's averaging 10 points, seven rebounds on 65% shooting from the field. And he's aver- he's doing that in 18 minutes per game. So it's not like he's stat padding or anything. He's been really good. You talked about that three-point ball. Last year, he shot 28% from three. It, it was non-existent. If he could be even a, a capable three-point shooter, 33%, 34 whatever it is, it's going to make him that much more, more valuable to the Pacers. And I think that you know the defense is going to have to respect that. So Jalen Smith has been one of those players. You know, the Jalen Smiths, uh, Aaron Neesmith, Ben Shepard, those have been like the three players that I've been just really impressed with in terms of like, okay, we know we have depth, but how strong is that depth? Mm-hmm. Those guys have really provided it. Now, Isaiah Jackson, you mentioned about him never being, you know, probably never going to be a three-point threat. One thing I want to give him at least a little bit credit, he did take a three tonight. <laughs> he did, yeah. It didn't go in, but he did bad. take one. And for that, I do want to give him credit because we've, we've been wondering, when are you going to at least just, like, give it a go, whether it was summer league, whether it's preseason? Like, this is the time to let one fly. Let's see what you're working with. So I know it didn't go in, but, hey, I, I want to give him credit for trying. No, that's a good that's a that's a fair point. He did shoot the ball from three, and I think that it ricocheted the team got an offensive rebound, and then Jarris Walker mixed uh missed the next three. So Jarris, I mean, poor guy. I, I feel bad for him, but it feels like at this point he kind of knows he's on the outside looking into the rotation based on how things have played out the last couple of games, uh in, in, including the fan jam, I should say, in Monday night's preseason game. Now he did get the backup four minutes in Houston in that second preseason game, but he struggled there as well. I I think that Miles saying that the game was just really fast for him is a great way of saying it, but I just feel like maybe knowing that he's trying to, like, press to try to get into the rotation, maybe he's, like, just pushing a little too hard and overthinking the game and just not letting it come naturally, which is – it's normal. He's 19 years old, 20 years old. So I, I expect that from a young kid that's really just trying to grow into that role. But Isaiah Jackson, he's been here before – he, he knows how it's, how it is to kind of be in the rotation, out of the rotation and whatnot. So him being in this familiar territory, once again, it's not a great spot for him, but at least he knows how to handle it and knows what he needs to do to and can continue to improve upon that. And I think Isaiah Jackson has a lot of potential as a player, but it just feels like there's other guys that have been taking that step ahead of him. And unfortunately, it's not that he's not worthy of minutes. It's just that there's guys on the roster that are more deserving. So I think that Isaiah really hasn't been given a completely fair shake in terms of how he's played in the preseason because some of the lineups he's been put out there with have been not the best lineups and those lineups have really struggled. So 
you give Isaiah Jackson more run with a team that's got a McConnell, got a Buddy Hill, got a Neesmith, then then maybe you might see more production. But you can't knock Jalen Smith for outplaying him. I just think that that's the bottom line. And, and that's what it's come down to is like, yes, the, the pairings for Isaiah Jackson have not been these lineups that, you know, he's going to thrive in by any means. But whatever Jalen Smith has been given, the minutes that he's been given, he's really made count. And for that, I, I, I love what I've seen. Um, man, Jordan War. Jordan War was someone who felt like kind of the last guy to really get in uh, in terms of like outside of like Isaiah Wong. But, you know, we saw him come in roughly around the, the seven-minute mark in the fourth quarter. And you just kind of feel for him. It's, we knew this was going to happen. You know, he could score. And it just felt like Atlanta was the team he absolutely torched last year. Torched. And it was just here he is in a preseason game, only getting a handful of minutes. But it shows the depth of this Pacers team. And it, it, it's going to be very tough. So that's someone that we feel that the guys, probably when the regular season starts, outside looking in, it feels like Jordan Wara. Isaiah Jackson, it's going to be tough for them. Ben Shepard, you imagine? I really don't know. I really don't know. In the beginning, a couple weeks ago, we felt, hey, this is a guy who's not going to get in during any like meaningful minutes. But now, you know, it's like, well, you know, let's just wait and see what happens. So, yeah. uh, was there any other you know points that were interesting to you uh, throughout this game? No, not really. I mean, the Jordan Wara points good. He only played like the last six minutes yeah. of the game and. I feel like Jordan War kind of gets um, pigeonholed into like, oh, he's a he's a three point shooter and can't really do anything else. I think that what we saw from Jordan War a few times tonight is like when you give him the ball, he can put the ball on the floor and kind of create. I think he's more of an offensive creator, um, maybe more of a scorer than he is. Uh, the people realize. I think that I've kind of like got myself like, oh, he's just a four. That's not a great defender, and all he does is shoot threes because it's kind of the role he's been given. But I think if you expanded his role a little bit, you might see a little bit more game in him. It's just unfortunate that this roster is so deep that the Pacers are, are going to have a hard time finding minutes for him. And I think that was the case. I Going into training camp, they kind of knew, like, drafted Jerry, traded for OB. We have Neesmith here. We got Bruce Brown here that can play the four. You like Jordan War. You traded for him, obviously. You had interest in him in the offseason prior to that. But it's just now that you've kind of shirred up that position, he's on the outside looking in. And that's unfortunately how it is for a handful of guys like where we we haven't really had a chance to talk about mcconnell or or nimhard because <laughs> nimhard's been uh out with the uh, the kidney stones so there's just so many different position battles that we're seeing right now it's just tough and then you mentioned it ben shepherd this guy is not going anywhere right now i think that he is going to come opening night i would be shocked if he is not in the 10-man rotation i think that he has earned that spot so far it would have to take a horrible effort against um, uh, against Cleveland, and maybe they decide to play McConnell and, and Nimhard instead of, of Shep. But I, I don't know. I, I just think that he's played so well that it's going to be a similar situation to Nimhard and where it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor. It is. Uh, it's, I'm very curious to see what, what's happening with that, and it's just Ben Shepard, man. I mean, what a turnaround from you know the first couple of games of Summer League to now. Awesome. It looks like it's early. It very much is. But it looks like for the front office, you got to tip your hat and say, hey, you know what? They, they might have really walked away with two really good players. It doesn't matter if it's where they're at now. It's where they'll be at the end of the year. And I, I have a lot of faith in Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard. But yeah. touching back on McConnell real quick, I just feel that in the absence of, of Andrew Nemhard, 
TJ McConnell has once again just proven just how valuable he could be when called upon. I mean, look at look at the numbers for his three preseason games. First game, he had 11 points, eight assists, uh, zero turnovers. He on five of seven shooting. Second game, he had seven points, four assists, you know, whatever. It's not going to blow anyone away. Um, and then uh, this game against the Hawks, seven points, nine assists, uh, two turnovers. He went three of five from the field. It just feels like if you need TJ McConnell any night, you know this guy is going to be ready. And I just feel like as a distributor, I mean, there's he could always get the job done. So the Pacers are in a very good spot with McConnell. I know obviously things are going to be tough because he has played very well. And uh, Andrew Nemhard's coming back. And Nemhard very well deserves the minutes that he got last year. So that's just another one of those situations to monitor. But I think it's a really good problem to have. And I'm happy that TJ McConnell is still on this Pacers team because if anything was to happen, we're in good hands. Yeah, I mean, if he ends up being relegated to the third-string point guard, he is by far the best third-string point guard in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. I think that TJ McConnell has a lot of good basketball left in him, and that's why I'm going to be curious to see how they determine what they do rotation-wise. Because, yeah, I mean, Ben Shepard's been the story, but are you really going to take McConnell off the floor for Ben Shepard? <laughs> no. Especially if you're trying to win? I mean, it's tough. I mean, we go back to last year, right? We 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 – we look at the draft and we talk about Andrew Nimhard being the 31st pick. And me and you both were kind of like, what are we doing? Like, why are we taking a point guard here? We need fours. We need to address the power forward position. And we're like, okay, you, you took a, a guy at 31 that's going to be your third string point guard. And maybe in two to three years, he can be uh, a, a potential guy to replace McConnell when his contract's up. And then all of a sudden, Andrew Nimhard's in the starting lineup, right? Kind of feel like we felt the same way about Ben Shepard this year. Why are they taking another guard? You know? Yep. Buddy Heald, Ben Mather, and Nimhard's there. Neesmith is at that wing position. Um, they eventually got Bruce Brown, right, like a couple of days after. So it's like it didn't seem like it made a lot of sense, and you're kind of like trying to evaluate what the roster looks like, and that's where you have to realize, like, okay, when it comes to the draft, you don't draft for position, number one, but number two, if these guys are good enough, they're going to prove their worth. 26 overall and 31st overall proven throughout preseason and through early on in the season last year for Nimhard's case that they are a part of this core moving forward. So uh, it was great to hear Coach Carlisle compare Nimhard a like a little bit to Buddy. I thought that was interesting that he threw that out there tonight. He said he's constantly moving and doesn't stop. He's a pain in the A to guard. And I thought, you know what? He said he's got a little Buddy to him. And I thought, that's really interesting that he said mm -hmm. that. Because Carlisle doesn't just say that kind of stuff without you know having reason to say it. So a lot of praise because we know how much Carlisle loves Buddy. But, yeah, we're we're in a tough spot here in terms of trying to find the minutes. But that's why Coach Carlisle has paid the big bucks. That's why he's been coaching for a long time. And he's going to make the best decision for the team, even if it doesn't make sense to the fans. Everyone's going to be screaming if, if Jairus Walker is not in the rotation to start opening night in, in terms of the 10-man the rotation. But I would say that Coach Carlisle is going to play the 10 that earned it in camp. And I think that's the only fair way to do that. It is. I got faith in the guy who has the second most active wins in the NBA <laughs> behind Coach Pop. Yeah. So he's also got a ring. So, yeah, yeah. I trust you know something about basketball, right? Exactly. Now, look, I know it's just three preseason games, so we're not going to look into it. The guy who I think is probably ready for the regular season, Buddy Heald. It has been a little bit of a rough shooting through three games. Um, shot 7 of 28 in the three games so far. And from three-point land, it was uh, 4 of 19. 
Uh, I'm not going to overlook, you know, overread into anything like this. Buddy is someone who I feel like played two of those games without Tyrese. Uh, didn't really play that many minutes with Tyrese overall. So I feel like this is someone who, hey, when when it matters most, Buddy Hill is going to be trustworthy from three. But I think he's someone that I want to not stare at the box score for Buddy Hill through these yeah. first three games. Yeah, I mean, when Buddy gets hot, it's just like, okay, watch out. I thought that that lineup we talked about, Buddy Heald with the starters and Bruce Brown on the bench. I thought, first of all, Bruce Brown probably had his best game. He did, definitely. In preseason basketball. And one thing you got to remember, too, like, here's a guy that was just playing in the NBA Finals, and he's playing preseason basketball now. I'm sure that his level of interest is not that high <laughs> in playing meaningless basketball games after going on that Finals run. So if you're already kind of, like, nervous about it, like, I would just say that the verdict's still out. We need to see what he can do when the actual games matter and he's starting to play. But I thought Buddy Hill with that unit of, of Matherin, Toppin, Turner, and Halliburton played pretty well. They were plus 11 in that stretch, Fachi. Defensively, there's a lot to be desired there on paper, but in this situation, they outperformed the, the opponent for the Hawks that were out there, the five that were out there for the Hawks. So it was good to see that group click, and I think that might be the most offensive powerhouse five that we have i think it's got to be i think that that lineup could straight up just just torch the opposing defense and you know that second quarter just to put things in perspective the pacers scored 43 points the atlanta hawks had 46 points at halftime yeah. so you know i thought that was awesome they outscored atlanta 43 to 15 in the second quarter um just, just awesome awesome stuff if you could only have watched one quarter of this game, that was definitely the quarter to watch because it left you saying, okay, whatever happens the rest of the game, we saw that when the starting five or when you put Buddy out there with the other starters, they look really good. And I think that this was a game that the Pacers did walk away with a win. I don't think the win was as important as you know what we saw earlier, but it was good to see that they didn't blow that lead because that lead at one point – was pretty gigantic, but the Pacers end up holding on. And I, I think that uh, we saw enough during that span to say, okay, you know what? The, this team does have promise. The first two preseason games didn't really give you much to feel great about. This one I left with a totally different feeling. Yeah, I, I could have been fine not watching the second half, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, and we could have missed it. And I don't think we would have felt uh, any, any different. No, the first half was awesome. I think just the connectivity that these guys had and the chemistry we started to see develop. And it's just going to take more reps and more time for these guys to, to figure things out. But overall, you have to really be excited about the 10 that were really in that rotation kind of solidified for that first half and get a better feel of like what these guys look like playing together. Foul trouble obviously needs to be improved upon. Rebounding could be better. Defense still needs to get worked out. And I think Ben Shepard said it after the game to Pat Boylan in the arena just focusing on the little details. And I think that's a big way of uh, a great way of saying it, get better at the little details, because if you can tie up the loose ends, this team has a lot of talent. That's why some fans are expecting like 48 to 50 wins with this team, because there's excitement around it. Now I don't agree with that, but I, I, can, see why, I can see why fans are excited about that though, yeah. because there is enough talent on this team and there's enough depth of talent on this team to make you feel really good about it. But with that being said, Fachi, last thing here. Just good to see Roy Hibbert give the Pacers a shout out on Twitter today. I loved it. Uh, the the NBA, I think it was NBA TV. Uh, yep, it was shared something. It was the the clip of the Halliburton pass to Buddy to the pass to Jalen Smith for the three, and Hibbert said this the year. So, you know what? 
put your foot down, Pacers back in the playoffs. Roy Hibbert said so, Fachi. That's a great way to end this podcast. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I hope that is what he meant by it. We don't need the the Ron R test where he's like, you know, Indiana Pacers are your NBA champions for this year. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Oh, Ron, pump the brakes. He's done that the last two seasons. It's like <laughs> I, I think I, Ron I, and Roy are a little different. I, they they very much are, and I love the confidence and support from Ron Artest. But it's like, eh, just let's say playoffs, that, and that's a great thing. So my last point on this game: thirty six assists. That is beyond winning basketball. I've always yeah. felt when the Pacers get to 30 assists, it's any team. You get to 30 assists, you played a really good game, you're probably going to win that game. The Pacers, I think they had 22 assists at halftime. So it was just awesome to see, um, and, and that is that winning ingredient right there. So overall, man, I left this. I know we're recording this one late. I'm still fired up yeah, and say, okay, I am. I am, and you know me, this is past my bedtime, but I'm, I, what I saw tonight it has me thinking, okay, bring on Cleveland on Friday because I want a little bit more. Yeah, and that's a great point, though, on the assist. 36 assists of those 13 turnovers. That's a pretty good ratio right there. And you have to love the fact that Indiana held Atlanta to just 12 three-pointers made. That's a pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty average. You know, the Pacers ended up making 18, but I think they had attempted 29 at the half, so – they did 49 for the game. I yeah. mean, whoa. They went on a bit of a cold streak there. They ended up shooting just 36.7% from three. But at one point, they were like 40-something percent, 44, yeah. 45, something like that. I think it might have been around halftime. That's where they were at. So just kind of interesting to see how all, all this played out. But, Fachi, we got to wrap this one up. Go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter, at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter, at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Pod STP. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our video content that is available for you. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the blueandgolden.substack.com where you can find all of my written work as I try to give you guys a little bit more of a different look and a different type of feel for things besides the podcast. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited that Roy Hibbert's tweeting about the Indiana Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton is back on the floor, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.